powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone. It's Halloween week here on Better Than Before. And do you believe in witches? Well, it's that season. And we have the Reverend Don Allen Jr. on the show today to talk about the experiences that he writes about in his book, Seven Days with a Witch. It's an amazing story that you'll want to hear. And it's coming up on the Better Than Before show. And we will begin with our guest right after I tell you that Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. We fit a lot of life into our Subaru Forester. Over the years, we trusted it to carry and protect the things that were most important to us. We always knew we had a lot of life ahead of us. That's why we chose a car we knew would be there for us through it all. Welcome to the all-new 2019 Subaru Forester, the SUV for all you love. Test drive one today at University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. This is Tony Richards, and Don Allen is here today. He's the host of the Undevourable radio program. He's host of Christ the Healer TV show. He manages Two Guys in a Bible, the 1412 Radio Network, and a whole bunch of stuff that I hope you know he freely tells you about. And I'm just so happy to have him here today. Welcome, Don. Hey, I appreciate it. Good to be here. You bet. So what else are you doing? I mean, what, what else are we doing? Uh, yeah, we have the Midwest Healing Center. Uh, that's our new facility where we're able to house all those things that you just uh, mentioned there. Uh, for years, we had um, begged, borrowed, and stolen to to record and do television programs and just so many different places that we had to tuck into and try to pull that off. But uh, now that we have our own facility, a 9,000-square-foot building at the Lake of the Ozarks. Wow, that's nice. And, uh, yeah, we're able to do all of our recording and, and uh, all of our things there. And then we hold a live uh, Tuesday night, uh, we kind of open the place up and allow the community to come in and we do some online teaching and some different things from there. That's great. That's great. And so, um, how often does your television show come out? 
every Saturday, every Saturday night at 9 p.m. Central Time on GEB America. That's on DirecTV Channel 363. All right. That's wonderful. Well, um, I was down at the Lake of the Ozarks this summer and perusing through a bookstore down there. And one of the books that kind of caught my attention was called Seven Days with a Witch. And that's your book. Yes, sir. Right. That's your book. And uh, I just couldn't put it down. I think I read the whole thing. And one night my wife was out of town visiting her family. And I think it was over the 4th of July holiday. And I was just intrigued. I just kept reading it. I couldn't, I couldn't quit reading. I couldn't wait to hear what happens next, <laughs> but just, uh, I want to congratulate you on the book. Yeah. Thank uh, you. And, um, I, I really enjoyed it and I wanted to share that with people. And I thought what better way than to have the author here. You know, one thing I wanted to get across, uh, to people is, and I want your perspective on this, but witches are real. They are real. And uh, the the easiest way for me to describe this, because I know society has painted this whole idea about witches. And so we either have made them into a cartoon or we've made it into this thing through movies that is this whole other side. And uh, the reality is this, in, in our world, in my world, we have good and evil. We have God, we have the devil. You know, and I'm talking about where, where I'm coming from. Sure, from a, um, from a Christian. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Um, and, and so in that, uh, when we begin to talk about witches, I don't, I don't want people to really dive into that in, in such a strange way as they do. They get this idea that they're not real. Friends, and this is going to sound odd at first, they're just as real as a pastor of a church. They're just as real as an evangelist for Christianity. So my point just being, that's truly their position that they're taking. They would be the pastors of their religion, if you will, a cult. Um, they're the evangelist, if you will, of their, of their thing that they're doing. So it's, it's no different than what we would be doing on the Christian side where we're trying to go out and spread our message. We're trying to, uh, you know, win people to the Lord, as we would say, get them born again. In the same way, these witches are doing the same thing as they're working spells out of their book. We have our Bible. They have their Bible. Uh, as they're doing the same thing, they're evangelizing for their side, if you will. And that's really the only only thing that they're doing. It, we don't have to turn it into this deep, crazy thing. There's two sides to this deal. Yeah. They're working on one side, we're working on the other. Yeah, as I was reading the book, I thought, you know, media and society has given us this picture of black pointy hats. And yeah. I thought, man, this story that I'm reading here is a long way from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, you know? it's a little it's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not exactly uh, this supernatural, undefeatable character either right right. so the story in the book it takes place about five years ago yeah uh, 2014 at about this time yes i think it was september in the book yes uh, Um, end of september beginning of october yeah so about five years ago so you you pick it up from there how did it how did so i I had been invited to go to chautauqua kansas just a small uh, farming community in uh, kansas there kind of where the four corners meet together oklahoma missouri arkansas kansas uh, really just kind of a pass through place. You, you, uh, the best way to get there, you know, where the big casino is, is you're getting off I-44 before you go into Oklahoma, you, you go take these back roads there and that'll get you to Chautauqua and really just kind of a, I don't know that people go to Chautauqua. I think they're born there. Mm-hmm. You know, there, sure. there's no draw there. Uh, and I've been asked to come there uh, a time or two just through a, a uh, mutual friend that we had, a girl I went to school with. Her father was a pastor there of Faith Baptist Church in Chautauqua, Kansas. Just a little little bitty 
church, yeah, little country community church, church. yeah, Yeah. community church. Uh, You know, maybe 30, 40 people that that go there. And uh, so we've had some good revivals there. He was able to bring in, uh, being an older gentleman, had lots of friends that he grew up with in the ministry and was able to pull in a good group out of Oklahoma and some different places. So we've always had good success having meetings there, good turnout, even for the size of the town. A lot of folks coming in from out of town. And so that was the setup this time as he had asked if I would come and this time hold a tent revival hoping that the community would come because you draw a different crowd with a tent. Yeah, sure. Uh, people feel, I don't know if it's just because there's no sides and they feel like they can get out of there if they need to. I don't know. Uh, but I've always loved tent revivals. And so, yes, we said we'd love to do that. And he wanted to do a full seven-day tent revival. That's where the name came from. I see. And so it was uh, during that tent revival that uh, we just thought we were going to have us a good time, normal and, and quite honestly, I got, I felt like I got more out of the book than I was even promised because the title is seven days with a witch, but there's actually 10 days in the book. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're able to get some of the after and some of the other I'm things. I'm like, holy so. cow, there's three more days hey, to we go. We give you a bonus, the bonus of three days. That's that part's free. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's, that's exactly what happened is we came down believing we were just uh, going to have this nice revival with the same group of folk, you know, just some good country folk and uh, ended up that uh, on that first evening there, this woman came walking in. The music had already started, and uh, I was sitting over to the side of the tent just kind of preparing, and, and uh, a woman came walking in, and you could tell there were some issues there. Um, and I thought, well, that's good. She's in the right place. You yeah, know, hey, sure. Praise God. Um, I didn't really know what the issues were until I, you know, you get that feeling. Have you ever, you've been sitting there and the hair kind of raises up on your neck and you can tell somebody's looking at you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's exactly how that story started as I looked up and there she was locking eyes with me from the other side of the tent. And then she would kind of crouch down like a, a lion getting ready to pounce. And then she'd pass out. I'm like, wow, there's, there's some. Yeah. Some real issues here. That's interesting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm getting ready to, to get up here and minister. And so, uh, I get up there to, to minister and she's at that point, then I'm only maybe just, you know, 20 feet away from her. So she's sitting over on that side of the tent and now I can clearly see, uh, that there is demonic possession just from, uh, our experience being overseas and seeing a lot of demonic possession. Um, and we could see her eyes would turn black. And she would pass out and she'd wake up. And, and so just this very intimidating figure. Um, she looked the part. She was, she was a, a very large bully type of a person anyway, very large in stature. And then she kind of dressed the part, not with the pointy hat, but definitely she liked to wear uh, draping cloak uh, type things and really to, to live that intimidating figure. You yeah, know? sure. And so, uh, yes, during the, during the revival, she just, she kept doing that, kept looking at me, kept passing out. And I finally had had enough and I just stopped the meeting and I called her to come forward. And when she did uh, full manifestation of demons, uh, started at that point where she began to growl. She began to talk in a different language. She began to talk, uh, much deeper than you and I can speak. Um, a lot of different issues that started taking place. Their body began to twist and deform in ways that you can't, you can't do that. Right. Um, and so that's really where the story began. Our seven days with the witch began at that moment. And uh, I thank God that I had um, invited a couple friends to join me at this revival. And uh, turns out that was a good thing to have some support there and to deal with this because we really had, you know, we, we've ran into things similar to this and we're able to cast the demons out and hey, people are good and we get them hooked up with the church. And this was turning into a much larger 
story than we knew. Yeah, and she she kept coming back though, right? She kept, every day. She came back to the tent revival yes. every day. She yes. kept returning. So after that first night, we had, we had uh, driven the demons out of her, and and it you know it was a little bit of a production. I mean, there's there's something to it, you know. It was it was quite a deal. Um, and, and was able to get her set free from that. Uh, but that being said, of course, her family weren't willing to let her go. We didn't realize the depth of what we were dealing with. We thought, hey, this 30-something-year-old woman got set free. Good for her. We're going to get her. We didn't understand or know at that time that she was truly the high witch of the four corners uh-huh. uh, and that she was later on uh, described by her and some others. She was their hit girl. And so she was truly sent there to kill me and the other two that were with me, a husband and wife team that were with me. Uh, she was there to take us out. Yeah. And so after you um, are, are working with her and uh, trying to help her, you find out that a lot of this kind of traced back to the Joplin tornado. It did. It did. It was amazing. So I, I, it was just amazing to put all this together. The one year that I lived in Joplin was the year of that tornado. Uh, my wife and I were there that year that that took place, just the one year that we lived there. Uh, and uh, But yes, at that time, Angelique uh, was living in Joplin. They're from Carl Junction, just outside of Joplin. And uh, she went on to later explain what really flipped her over. Now, she was raised this way, but she wasn't necessarily evil. You know, there's a lot of witches. We have Wiccan. We have a lot of white witches who are a little more into, and I'm, I'm no expert, but from what I understand, a little more into Mother Earth, uh, the aura, the energy. They don't see themselves as evil people. And then you have black witches who do see themselves as evil and occult practices. And Angelique was raised under both uh, white and black. She had both in her family that that claimed to be both. Um, But she had at the time leaned more towards, uh, before the tornado, leaned more towards the white witch practices of the power and of the energy of Mother Earth and different things like that. Um, when the tornado happened, her and her husband had been doing meth all day. Uh, when this happened, they lived in a two story home there in Joplin. And so when the sirens went off and they had gone off all week, that was the issue. There were a lot of storms that rolled through that week. So a lot of us didn't pay attention. Uh, when the sirens went off, she said they didn't pay attention. Her husband was upstairs. She was downstairs and the tornado hit their home, took a direct hit. Uh, and if anybody saw that, I mean, there was, there wasn't grass left after this tornado. I mean, there was nothing left. Um, and so Angelique had said it hit their house when it was all said and done. She was looking for her husband and she found him, uh, some distance away from where the home had once stood and his head was severed, uh, almost totally severed. And she said it was standing there looking at that, that she said a spirit of murder entered into her body where life meant nothing to her. The sanctity of anybody's life meant nothing, including hers. Mm. And she said it was at that moment she felt a spirit enter her body where that's where the real switch came to turn evil, where it just didn't matter anymore. She didn't care about her own children. She tried to slit her own throat at that time. Uh, Again, after seeing that, and they had taken the children away from her, and that's when she really entered into that dark side of that whole thing. So how much time went by before you guys um, came to understand that her whole family 
was involved in the drug trade and yeah. a lot of this. It was that night that she came back, and I don't remember the exact timeline without looking in the book again. I get some of my days mixed up there, but she had come back one evening after the revival, uh, after a, a night meeting during the seven days. She came back. We had sent her with a lady that was going to take her in, a, a good Christian woman that said, hey, I'll take her in for the evening. Uh, we were trying to get her out of where she had been staying previously with a gentleman who was, he was a little sketchy as well, uh, the guy that actually brought her to the tent. So we were trying to get her out of that home, definitely trying to keep her away from going back home to her family. Uh, so this uh, good woman in all of her innocence said, hey, I'll, she can come stay the night at my house just tonight till we can figure something out. Well, so we're, we're outside at the tent and we're, we're kind of chit-chatting here behind the tent and talking about the day's events and uh, it's, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night. And this woman's van comes screaming back into the parking lot. I mean, we thought we were about to get ran over. I mean, literally this woman is flying into this parking lot, slamming on the brakes, gets out yelling. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And we open the door and Angelique, that's the high witch is sitting in there and she is sobbing uncontrollably. She's shaking. And so we're trying to get, she can't even stand up. We're trying to get her out of it. We're like, what is wrong with you? What, what happened? And she said, the, the lady that was with her said she received some phone call and I don't know what happened, but she fell apart after that. And so we get Angelique out and it's at that moment, she looked up at me and she said, you're dead. You're all dead. And I said, what, what are you talking about? She said, Donnie, you're dead. You're a dead man. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And she said, they're coming for you. My family is coming for you. That's when we started to realize, wait a minute now, this is deep. Yeah. Uh, there's a coven She's one of, of the 13. Um, she, there is a coven coming after us. Since she did not get the job done, they were going to get the job done one way or another. And we found out there were some ties into the Joplin police, uh, Carl Junction police. They've got uh, gang members. They've got a lot of different bad actors, if you will, that truly can and could physically take us out if they were able to. And so it was that evening that we realized, you know, we're, we're in deep now, you know, now we can either bail on this woman or we can stay here and fight and, and have this thing out. And we weren't going anywhere. And you guys uh, did stay and, and try to help her. Um, even though, I mean, there, there were some very interesting, um, things that happened there. Yes. I mean, a, a large storm and yeah. a, a lot of yeah. stuff that, you know, that just kind of came out of nowhere. Even the National Weather Service didn't even have it on their radar. Yes, that's right? right. That's right. You know, Ephesians 6 and verse 12 says this, for we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. That's what we're talking about, guys. There is a spirit realm. They rule over regions. That word despotism means tyrant kings. We're talking about when we go back and we look at Jesus being tempted. I'm not trying to preach at you, but I'm just building our backstory here. When we look at Jesus in the wilderness temptation uh, and the devil came to him and began to tempt him, he took him up on a high place and he said, all these kingdoms are mine. And he was talking about kingdoms here on the earth that he was ruling over at that time. They're mine to give whoever I want to give them to. And if you bow to me, I'll let you have them. I'll let you rule over them. And so that's what we're talking about here is there is a fight for territory. There is a fight for this world. There's a fight for every man and woman 
uh, on the earth, good and evil. And we have to start recognizing the root is that we weren't fighting against Angelique. We weren't fighting against her mother and her father, no more than they were fighting against us as just humans. There is a spirit realm, a wrestling to be had, a contending for the people. That's what we were dealing with is the evil spirits behind her because that's what we noticed. We didn't have to physically do anything to Angelique to get the spirits out of her. Once the spirits were out, things began to change. So it wasn't Angelique. It wasn't just a, a attitude problem. It was a spiritual problem at the root. Right. And that's what we had to get to. Wow, isn't this an interesting story? Well, we're talking with the Reverend Don Allen Jr. about his experiences that he outlines in his book, Seven Days with a Witch. And we'll continue with our visit. You don't want to miss the rest of this story right after this on Better Than Before. We fit a lot of life into our Subaru Forester. Over the years, we trusted it to carry and protect the things that were most important to us. We always knew we had a lot of life ahead of us. That's why we chose a car we knew would be there for us through it all. Welcome to the all-new 2019 Subaru Forester, the SUV for all you love. Test drive one today at University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. So taking from what you said there, there are spiritual rulers of specific geographies. Yes. Right. And then two, uh, she was uh, relieved, right, to be out. Of yes. The, she, she felt the pressure from the peer pressure of her family, of course. Yes. As we all do. I mean, when you start to become different from your family, that brings certain pressures. Sure. But she was relieved to be out of that spiritual condition. She was. She said that it was, it was hard. It was hard living. There was no love there. It's all about power. And if there's weakness, you're out. And so there is that constant uh, standard to keep up the appearance, at least to fake it until you make it, or to continue to make it at such a high level. So she would summon six demons to be with her every morning before she would leave home for protection just from the other witches. Oh, wow. Because they're always fighting for power. They're always fighting for the hierarchy to be the one that's the ruler. And they had set her up as at least in that region over the four corners, she was top dog. Mm. And so she said, but as that goes, everybody's always looking to knock you off. And so even like it says here in the back of the book, when she began to talk about, um, we're well organized, we're, we're well funded. It's not that we all like each other because we don't. She's talking about the other witches, but an enemy of my enemy is my friend. We all come together for the destruction of the church and all things precious to God. They don't get along. They're like ravenous wolves that attack each other the first time that there's blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's what she had to carry that her entire life. 
uh, being put into this around 14 years old, they begin to groom her for this in a ritual that her father took her to, uh, where her other family members placed her in the middle of the room, stripped her naked, and worked this ritual to mold her into being uh, truly this, this high witch. And so they went so far as to, uh, she went another level with it in being able to surrender over her will so much so that she would allow them to manifest demons through her as a portal. So she really had no control over her own life ever. Wow. She had surrendered herself to allow them to use her to do the dirty work. So, so did your pastor friend or any of the people he was connected with in the town know about any of this? They did. This is what I always compare it to. I don't know if you ever saw the old movie Lost Boys. Yeah, you remember sure. that old yeah, movie? Yeah. Okay, okay. Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you remember the grandpa in that movie? Yeah. Right. He seemed like he was such a clueless guy. Right. And yeah. in the end, when all the vampires were dead and there's blood all over his home and his house is destroyed and he walks in and they're like, oh, no, grandpa, your house is destroyed. And he's getting a soda out of the fridge. Uh, one thing I never liked about this place is all the dang vampires. You know, he knew the whole time. Right. This is this pastor, right? He, he's an older gentleman, Faith Baptist Church, mild-mannered. He knew everything that was going on. None of this surprised him. Every time I would come to him with something that I thought was just outrageous, like I'm, I'm ready for him to debunk what I'm about to say. This woman said she did this. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, she did. So when I would come to him and say, she said she closed down three churches in this town. He said, absolutely, she did. She's solely responsible for closing down those three churches. And I said, so did she, has she truly been ruling over this area? He said, yes, yes, with, with fear, with intimidation, with casting spells, with turning people crazy with spells uh, and divide. I mean, basically all she was saying was, is that if she says she's going to do something, She's going to do it. And I think I remember, too, it's been a couple of months since I read the book, but I think, did you describe in the book, too, like you could tell this is why this particular area or this town was kind of dying? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we had we had come into this area before, as I had mentioned, and it was like any other small farming town. Nice little mom and pop shops lined the streets. Uh, it was just kind of a thriving little hopping place. And uh, by the time we came back this time, the place is boarded up. I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't, but two gas stations, maybe one uh, small restaurant that was left open, a small convenience store, and it was just nothing but peeled paint, broken windows, falling in brick. Uh, churches were closed, businesses were closed. Nobody, nobody on the street, nobody walking the streets. I mean, it was just, a, and I mean, the town maybe only be a mile and a half long anyway down this main strip. But there was a marked difference when we came into town this time that something had happened. And that was just like a three-year period or something. Yes, like that's that. right. That's wow, right. that's interesting. So without giving, I'll, I'll let you kind of take it from here, but I don't necessarily want to give away all the, 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 <laughs> all the information in the book and all, because um, I'd like people to get the book and read it. Um, but... How'd this all go then? So uh, during the week, I can give you some of the high points. Uh, it, it was such an amazing, uh, it truly on a biblical proportion. As you mentioned, there were some weather issues that happened. Uh, we had a, a particular day where I think it was the day we went to buy her, her very first Bible. And we drove up into Joplin and we could only find this cheap little Bible at Walmart. That's all they had left. I guess that's good news. 
but so we, we get this little Bible and we bring it back to her. And if you could have seen how she held this Bible, it was like a newborn child. I mean, I, this woman, was, she could not believe that she had a Christian Bible. I mean, she's just amazed. But it was that, I believe it was that same day, uh, right around that time, when we're sitting inside the church, kind of in between meetings, you know, we didn't have anything in the afternoons. Uh, we'd have a morning and an evening meeting. So we're just kind of hanging out and we're fellowshipping and, and hanging out with people. And the sirens went off, tornado sirens, out of nowhere. Nice sunny day, no warning, nothing in the forecast. Uh, and the tornado sirens go off and we go outside to see these clouds rolling in. And, you know, you can tell the difference, the green sky, the bubbly clouds, you know, it's going to be serious. And so we, we do, we take off. Uh, Angelique wasn't with us at that time. She was at, at a home. And so we all take off that are in the church, our group, and we're trying to find where's a shelter, where's a place to go. And we get to the one shelter in town and nobody's there to unlock it. So there's lightning crashing down all around us. I mean, close enough that you're feeling the static electricity on your body. And so we shoot over to the school on the other side of town. That's where everybody was assembled at the school. Emergency management's there, you know, fire, uh, the local um, police forces there. Everybody's there that's involved with emergency management, volunteers, fire trucks, different things. All the kids are in the school. Lots of people are in the school. Uh, the one, there was a particular woman I was with. Her name's TJ. Her dad is the one that's the pastor of the church. And uh, she's also a Christian, and she just is mad. I, I can't believe this is happening. You know, she is mad at this storm. Almost like it's a spoiled, how dare you try to come here? Now, we're just talking about spiritual warfare. When we look in the Bible and we see Jesus rebuked wind and waves and storms, you know, uh, a lot of people say, well, if God sent it, no, God didn't send it. He made the weather. The devil perverted it. It's the same with everything that we do. You know, God made man and then perversion came in. So TJ goes outside and, and these emergency management people are on their walkie talkies and everybody's going crazy. And here comes the funnel cloud dropping out of the sky and it's going to head right for this school where everybody is. And so we're standing out there and I'm, I'm a little closer to the building, right? Mr. Faith guy, lightning is striking all over the place. TJ walks right out in the middle of the, I mean, right. She's the tallest thing out in the middle of this field and she's yelling at this storm rebuking the storm in the name of Jesus. And every time she'd do it, the funnel cloud would disappear. Well, then it drops. And this is the one, you know, there's some that drop and they kind of go back up. This one comes down and the emergency management guys, the radios are blowing up. The sirens are going off. They're reporting the tornado. Uh, they're giving the coordinates of where they're at. Uh, they're turning on their sirens. People are scattering. And uh, again, TJ stands there and rebukes it and it disappears and then everybody's just standing there. And when I say disappears, I mean literally like you would see in a movie where the clouds part, the birds chirp. We're just like, what, what just happened? The emergency management guys are just standing there dumbfounded. And they get on there and they, they're hitting the radio and they're saying, it's gone. And they're thinking, they're saying the school's gone. It's gone? How many casualties? How many? No, it's the tornado is gone. No, what do you mean it's gone? It, it's just gone. And they're all just standing there dumbfounded as TJ just kind of walks through the middle of them with the wow. strut, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so, but later on, I, I went to, uh, when we met back up with Angelique, she said, how'd you like that storm that my parents sent? Uh, and she said they had worked up a spell to bring that storm to take us out. 
And that's why that tornado chased us all over town. It was at the end of town. And then we went to the one side of town and it was there. We went back to the school and it was over there. And that thing chased us all over town. And she said, well, my parents did that. They worked a spell to have that follow you. So, I mean, there's some, there's some things there. But again, now biblically, we understand certainly these things can happen. It sounds really weird to anybody outside of that. And I'm not saying every tornado was brought by a well, witch. Of course not, right? no. A lot of it is weather patterns, heat, you know, sure. just normal things. Uh, but truly, this one, it did chase us all over town. It was ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> one evening, we had a, an earthquake, and it happened to be right after a big event with Angelique. I mean, I'm talking minutes, maybe, uh, maybe minutes after just this, this praying for Angelique and a big breakthrough with her, there was a 3.2 earthquake that shook where we were. And we're just like, you got to be kidding me, man. I mean, this is, this is real. And her words were, the devil is losing his grip. In further discussion with her, again, she just talked about how he rules over regions, how there is influence uh, over regions and different things. And, and they work a lot of spells in the ground. They work a lot of spells in the rivers and different things. It means a lot to them um, in their spells. Um, you know, as I was reading the book, um, back to Angelique a little bit. I was reading the book, and I remember at one point, uh, I just put the book down, and I thought, this girl is really feeling like a fish out of water. She's really struggling because she's been in... To me, it was almost like you had been, you had held somebody in a basement with the lights out for like 20 years, and then all of a sudden you let them out. And right. they're like... They just don't know what to do. Yeah, I wish, I wish I could say it was just this glorious thing where she came out and was free and excited. And yeah. No, but, it but was, she was a like battle. A, it was like a fish flopping. Yes. You know, she was flopping back and forth. Oh, it was hard on her. It was so hard on her. Uh, the family trying to pull her back in. And again, this is all she's ever known. Right. Uh, up to just a couple of days ago, God was her enemy number one. And anybody that served God was enemy number one. And now I'm with them. I mean, that's, that's quite a shock at 36 years old, having, having, you know, been raised that way and truly dedicated at 14 to live your life hardcore that way. And then to just in a matter of days have such a flip to try to process that she's seeing that God's power is overriding her power. That's got to be a hard thing to come to terms with thinking that I spent my whole life and trusting my family with this power but there was always this other power out there. Um, what were her children like? So she had four children uh, that we met, and there was uh, two boys that were the older, and then two little girls. And I think at that time, and I don't, I, I don't know that if this is right, maybe 13, 11, 7, and 4, maybe. Uh, but the two boys were older, and then two little girls. Uh, at that time, she had lost her children, and the parents were raising them the same way that Angelique and her sisters had been raised, uh, and a brother as well in witchcraft. And so they were already raising these children that way as well. And Angelique had lost custody when she had tried to slit her throat and a lot of drug issues and arrests and some different things. So she, she had been in a lot of trouble, was not allowed to have her children. Uh, so the very last night, and we didn't quite put this together. She was very surprised as we were the last night of the meetings. Um, she was able to have her children. And we were all playing it from kind of this thing like, oh, what a great victory. No, it was a plan. It was a plan. 
we didn't catch on until later that this was a plan by them to disrupt and get in on us again. Uh, the parents wouldn't come. They didn't want to meet us. I threw down a challenge. Well, they threw it down and I answered and then they canceled the meeting. I was supposed to go meet them. Um, Angelique said, they're going to kill you. I said, well, we'll see. You were supposed to kill me. I'm still here. Let's just go see and kind of called their bluff. Well, so they weren't going to give up, but I don't think they appreciated that. So that last night, the the children come, uh, we had bounce houses and fun things for the community. And so the kids were just having a great time. Uh, we get into the meeting a little bit and I get to preaching and all of a sudden a woman about uh, five rows back on the left goes into a full blown seizure. I mean, a full blown seizure. And at the exact same time, the oldest boy goes into a trance where his eyes roll back in his head and he turns stiff as a board and falls onto the floor. Moments later, uh, in the middle of all that, the next youngest boy, uh, the 11 year old, the next boy, same thing. He goes into a trance. He falls out onto the floor. And then the little girl, uh, the next one down, same thing. She starts going into a trance, eyes roll back in her head, mumbling things. And then the baby, the four-year-old baby, had been sitting over there quietly with crayons and paper. And when she grabbed that paper from her and showed me, she's drawing satanic symbols. I'm talking 666, pentagrams. This four-year-old girl is drawing cartoon figures of Satan in the middle of our service. So, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, again, had to scramble to gain control here of what was taking place. And so we were able to cast the demons out of the children, which Angelique later informs us of a lot of things that had happened in their lives, but they were truly just being raised the same way she was. Uh, and she went into some of the details that you can get in the book about some of the things that happened with these children, um, how they would at sometimes um, become possessed and not know it either uh, at such a young age and do harm or harm to others, um, fall out of bed or float out of bed, or just crazy things. Yeah. Um, but we were able to get them set free that night, and it was such a strange thing when we were all finished there. And it was, it was again, it was a big production. It was a very big deal. A lot of disruptions, of course. A lot of, a lot of just wild things took place. Um, but by the end of the night, I remember I'm sitting at a table with Kirk DeMars. He's one of the gentlemen that were with me and Angelique is sitting there and her children are running around and she's like, look at them. And they were just playing just like children for the first time. Right. She'd never seen that. She had never seen that. And then the youngest boy came and said, um, mommy, do you mean the, the, the bad man won't come tonight? And she said, I don't think he's going to come tonight. This boy would see at night a red devil that would come to him every night, a demon. And they would have to sleep with the lights on. These kids were scared. And these people would come to them at night. And it was demons that were coming to these children. And Angelique even said that uh, the way that she used to keep her children under control is she would manifest a demon through her to growl and come at them, to Mm -hmm. scare them. Instead of correcting them or anything, she would have a demon manifest through her and scare her children into submission. Oh my. So uh, there's a whole other world there, friends. She's one of many. Yeah. Um, here's something that you might find very interesting. When I was talking to her, how would I know how to get to the root of covens in our own community? So it was very interesting. Two weeks after I came home from this encounter with her, a witch walked into my office. 
I was going to ask if you had had anything yes. in the last five yes. years. Yes. So a witch walked right into my office two weeks later and says, I'm a witch. And I said, well, have a seat. And I began to talk to her and they were using uh, Celtic practices. Her mother, this young lady's mother was a witch as well. Uh, same thing. She kind of had a lot of similar stories uh, in darkness and spells and things that actually worked on people. And I was able to get her set free as well. Um, and then from that point, I begin to, now there's always been talk in my area that there were witches, right? We grew up hearing about witches, you know, that there were covens in different places. There was a place called the satanic triangle where we lived, uh, at the Lake of the Ozarks out in the woods. Cause we have a lot of woods. Um, and you can trace a lot of this back, some history uh, about this. There was this old guy in our town. Um, we kind of called him a crazy prophet. He would, he's the guy that would stand at the door, old hippie, right? He had the beard, uh, scruffily old guy, uh, kind of an old hippie live off the earth kind of guy, but he would stand, he's the guy that's going to stand at the door and say, repent, repent. You know, he's that guy in yeah, our town, sure. right? Had his old Bible out, you know, old leather Bible. And he's the guy that's very public repent, you know? Um, so yeah, he was kind of crazy old guy, but he always talked about how there were witches and he, he shared a story, which all now is, is crazy when you start to put it all together, how the witches got into our community. Um, it started all the way back with Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin, the guitarist for Led Zeppelin. So, or I guess if you go back far enough, yard birds or whatever, you, but uh, Jimmy Page. And so what happened was there was a French horror filmmaker who wanted to make a movie and it's called Lucifer Rising. If you look it up, Jimmy Page did the soundtrack for Lucifer Rising. Lucifer Rising was going to be filmed and made in the Ozarks because it was woods, it was creepy. So they came to the Ozarks back then. Well, this old hippie lives there. This is before we had anything there. Uh, he gets called in for work to build the sets, to do construction. He did flooring, uh, wiring, anything. They just called in local guys to build the sets out in the woods. Well, then what this guy did is he actually flew in real witches, practicing witches to come in and be on the set because he wanted the movie to be as authentic as it could be. And so he brought in real witches to work spells and to have things happen and hope they catch it on camera. And so they were going to make this movie. Well, I remember this guy telling these stories back when we were kids. And we're like, this guy's crazy. Uh, people died on set. And the set kept burning down. And crazy things happened and they scrapped it. If you go back and look, Jimmy Page made a 45 uh, Lucifer Rising soundtrack, but it never got released. Because the movie never got released. Because it never happened. People died. There were lawsuits. Crazy. He never finished it. Never finished it. Uh, but all the witches stayed. When everything was done, the witches stayed. That's where the root came in our, our territory then, is these witches stayed. And now, even today, if you were to come to the lake and say, Ivy, Ivy Bend, don't go to Ivy Bend. That's what you would be told. Don't go to Ivy Bend. Don't go down there. That belongs to them. You stay out here, they stay down there. You go to Ivy Bend to get lost. If people come to the lake and they don't want to ever be found again, you go to Ivy Bend. Uh, and so that is kind of the hub there. Well, then I'm asking Angelique, well, so who else is involved? And she said, well, you're going to be surprised. It's going to be the money people. It's going to be the money people in your town and they're going to hold very high positions. And I was like, oh, now come on. Well, sure enough, one of the, the top real estate agents 
a female in our, in our, if I were to mention her name, everybody at the lake knows who this woman is. She's the top witch in our area and she's a multimillionaire. Wow. And uh, she is approaching now publicly, as I said, like we should be doing in Christianity, evangelizing publicly, you know, inviting people to come to church. Her and her group publicly go out and are recruiting women publicly to come to their meetings and become witches with Hmm. them. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very real thing. And she's a very well put together money, uh, very social. Uh, but she's the head witch along with two others that are top money females in our, in our community. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. Well, I want you to get this book. It's called seven days with a witch. Don Allen is our guest. He's the author of the book. He's the one who's experienced all the stuff that we've been talking about. Any final thoughts for people? Folks, just uh, again, when I'm looking at the, at the back of the book here, one of the best things that I can tell you Uh, And this is a quote from Angelique. She said, my greatest weapon is the church's refusal to believe that we actually exist. You can't ignore your enemy. Friends, there is good and evil. Now, I don't know where you stand with Christianity and God or wherever you're at, the listeners, but you do have to recognize there is a spirit realm and there is no gray area. There is one side or there is another. And uh, that's just how it is. You want to be found on the right side. That's right. Don, tell everybody how they can find out more about you. You can find out, uh, you can go to twoguysandabible.com. That's T-W-O, guysandabible.com. One of the best ways, of course, is to keep up on Facebook. Uh, if you went to the Two Guys and a Bible Facebook page, uh, there you'll see a lot of the live videos that we do. We do a lot of Facebook Live at a lot of different meetings. And there. they can just like that and get in. Yes, and, they can just okay. get right on the page there. And uh, but the best way would be twoguysandabible.com. That's kind of the mothership of... 1412 radio. That's uh, everything is under that one. Christ the Healer. Yes, that is the name. Yes. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, listen, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on today. Appreciate you having Uh, me. We we, uh, explored a very interesting topic today. And again, the book is Seven Days with a Witch by Don Allen. And you should get this book. I think you'll find it very interesting. That's our show today. We want to thank the Reverend Don Allen Jr. for being our special guest today. We're brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 and also at ClearVisionDEV. On behalf of associate producer Whitney Coker and chief producer William Foster, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.